Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. for another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, new every Thursday at podcastone.com and iTunes. And if you are listening to this on post day, which is always a Thursday, you are hearing it on Thanksgiving. So a very happy Thanksgiving to you if you are indeed listening to it on the day that it goes up. And if you are listening to it a day or two after, well, happy Thanksgiving weekend. Whenever you're listening, however you're listening, to my podcast, I thank you very much for doing so all around the world. I hear from you guys, and I do appreciate it. You can always email me, eddie at eddietrunk.com, the direct email address. eddietrunk.com is the website for all your music news, all your information, all my appearances. Speaking of appearances, coming up December 1st, I'm at the IDL Ballroom in Tulsa, hosting Lita Ford and Jack Russell's Great White. December 2nd, Agora Hills, California, the Canyon Club where I'll be hosting the Frontiers Records Party. That includes L.A. Guns, Warrant, Jack Russell's Great White, and the River Dogs. All of their upcoming appearances rounding out the year December 14th. I am in Houston at the Proof Rooftop Lounge. L.A. Guns performing there with Enough's Enough. And uh, December 16th, I'm in Dallas at the Bomb Factory, L.A. Guns, Ace Frehley, and many more for their annual Christmas event. A lot of good stuff going on. It's all on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. And then as we get into January, we're looking at the KISS Expo in Atlanta, January 20th. Many more things. The Hall of Heavy Metal History Awards, which I'll be hosting in January as well. That is in uh, Orange County, California. So much good stuff. Thank you guys for uh, checking it all out. Hope to see you out there on the road. The cruises are coming too. Monsters of Rock and Cruise to the Edge. So a lot of good things going on. And uh, appreciate you guys, as always, listening. And, of course, my radio show, which you can hear live Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Channel 106. Channel is volume. The show is Trunk Nation. It airs live every day, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Nothing but talk and interviews about rock. Replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. Had a chance to go to Los Angeles last week where I did the special with Stone Temple Pilots, the very first show they ever did with their new singer, Jeff Goot. Also hosted the first ever interview that they did with the new lineup. That was a lot of fun. Great time seeing those guys. Good to see them happy. Good to see them doing well. A band that has been through so much. And it's good to see how well they are doing now with this new singer who was really, really good. And the show I saw at the Troubadour, which was a week ago Tuesday. Just absolutely killer. Don't think I had a chance to tell you about that since I was on last. Want to also remind you, though, real quick before I forget. My Amazon store, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Be sure to go there. Do all your shopping. Start on that page first. Some hand-picked items you might be interested in if you are a listener. And then from there, go on to the rest of the Amazon site. Again, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk for all your Amazon shopping. Appreciate that. Since I did speak to you guys last, some sad and tragic news in the world of rock, and that is the passing of Malcolm Young of ACDC. Yet another rocker gone far too soon. In all honesty, when it comes to Malcolm Young, he really, for the most part, left us a couple of years ago. Because in 2014, when it was announced he had dementia and had to end his tenure in ACDC, most people in the music industry at that time said 
that we had seen and heard the last of Malcolm Young. His dementia was so bad by all accounts that he was really not anywhere close to the person he once was. So it was not really all that surprising to see that he passed away. Every indicator, every person that I talked to in the last couple of years said that he was in very bad shape. So very, you know, just tragic news and 64 years old, way too young. But Malcolm Young passing away. And if you think about it, this could mean so many different things. I don't know if this impacts what ACDC does going forward. I don't think it does because ACDC was going on without him anyway. Stevie Young was the guitar player. People were still turning out in droves. So does this play a role in what Angus decides to do going forward? I don't know. I don't think so because they were doing it without him anyway, but I don't know. Does it have any impact on the potential to do something with Brian Johnson again? Brian Johnson, who is the ultimate class act, put out a couple nice statements about Malcolm passing away and his time in the band, his 32 years in the band. I mean, Brian Johnson, one of the nicest, classiest people you could ever meet, so that is not surprising considering how his end of ACDC came with some question marks, to say the least. So we're not sure, but uh, the bottom line is Angus Young has now lost both of his brothers because I believe George Young also passed away. So condolences to the family, the friends, and of course the many fans of Malcolm Young, of which I am one, I had a chance to interview Malcolm only one or two times in my career. Did a TV interview with him, Angus, and Brian Johnson back when the catalog reissues happened, back when I was working for VH1 Classic around 06. Like all the guys in ACDC, very low-key, very unassuming, very nice guys. Didn't know him well by any stretch, but my experience was very positive and always has been with the guys in ACDC who have been incredibly cool about everything and just just really regular guys, if you can be a regular guy in the world's one of the world's biggest rock bands, which, of course, they were and are. But Angus is the last man standing, and he holds all the cards if there is a future for ACDC. Right now, he is no doubt grieving the loss of his brother. But again, this shouldn't be a surprise. This is not something that... Um, Anybody that's followed the story should be shocked by, but it still is the finality of it and the massiveness of the loss that it is is still major. I mean, everybody who's anybody in the world of music has tweeted or posted about their feelings about ACDC and Malcolm Young, one of the greatest rhythm guitar players of all time, a tremendous songwriter, and interestingly enough, a guy that never was interested in fame or the spotlight. To the point that if you've seen ACDC live, he was a guy that literally stayed as far away from the front of the stage as possible until it was time for him to sing a backing vocal, then he'd walk up to the microphone. So very unique in that way. He was very happy and content with making sure and letting his brother get all the spotlight and all the attention while he was cool just hanging back and being really the the linchpin, the anchor, the founder of ACDC. So rest in peace, Malcolm Young, another one gone. And uh, again, fascinating to watch and see what happens going forward with ACDC into this new year coming very, very soon. This week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, we have a couple interviews for you. They're both a little on the shorter side, so we did a double dip this week. First up, David Coverdale. A good friend, leader of Whitesnake, former member of Deep Purple. David Coverdale called into my Sirius XM show when I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago to talk about the new 30th anniversary super deluxe edition of Whitesnake's 87 record. And a few other things we touch on as well. So always good to talk to D.C. You'll hear him first. Second this week, the lead singer from a band that I feel is the best of the newer, younger rock bands. Lead singer of the band The Struts, Luke Spiller, also called into my Sirius XM show 
You will hear that interview second on this week's podcast. If you are not familiar with the Struts, they are a British band. Started out a few years ago. They have one complete full-length album out called Everybody Wants. And for my money, they have the best songs of any of the emerging new rock bands. They are currently out opening for the Foo Fighters. I saw them live. They blew me away. They are just a fun, great rock band with great songs, great hooks. And I don't know any of these guys at all personally. I met three of them at the show that I saw them at in New Orleans recently. The only guy I didn't meet was their singer, Luke, who's going to join us now on the podcast. And I spoke speak to him for the first time ever, as you're about to hear. But uh, this band, not a metal band by any stretch, but a fun rock band with tremendous songs. And I say that all the time. It is like, you know, you could have all the great musicians in the world, put them in one room, but if they can't write songs, it means nothing. And this band has great songs for days, not a bad one on their latest album or their their lone full-length album, and a brand-new album coming early next year. So this, to me, is the band to watch. This, is this to me, is the band that could bring it all back. There's some others that I love as well, but this one, to me, has the best songs and the best stuff happening. And a great fan base, and they're off to a great start already as far as uh, fan base and, and a variety of fans from young to middle-aged to old that are really into them. So I was very excited to talk to Luke, and it's very rare that I get to interview somebody that I have no history with, but that is the case. Two British guys on this week's podcast, one who's been around forever and still doing it and David Coverdale, and one who's fresh and young and about to possibly break and maybe be the band, if I'm right, that could help bring rock music back into the forefront. First up, David Coverdale followed by Luke Spiller of the Struts. Those interviews on their way on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey guys, be sure to check out History's new scripted drama series, Nightfall, and it's premiering on Wednesdays, December 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Really cool show set in medieval France, tangled in politics and conflict. One headstrong and courageous Templar knight, Landry, will lead his order of warriors, monks on a life or death mission. Man, this sounds cool. To find the lost Holy Grail, control the Grail, control the world. This show focuses on themes such as belief, sacrifice, politics, love, power, revenge, nightfall. It goes deep into the clandestine world of this legendary brotherhood of warrior monks to find out who these knights were, how they lived, and what they died believing. Really, really powerful stuff. Tom Cullen, he's in it from the hit series Downton Abbey and Gunpowder. He leads the cast of the Templar Knight Landry this season. Nightfall, it's an A&E Studios original production, and it really is an amazing show. The season takes viewers inside the medieval politics and warfare of the Knights Templar, the most powerful, wealthy, and mysterious military order of the Middle Ages who were entrusted with protecting Christianity's most precious relics. Explore the mysterious world of the Knights Templar in history's new hit drama series, Nightfall. Take viewers deep inside the medieval politics and warfare of the Knights Templar. Nightfall premieres on December 6th at 10, 9 central, only on history. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's going on, man? Hi, guy. Yeah. Yeah, the team. Loveline, man. You guys remember us from back in the day? Well, we're doing a pod, and we're doing it every day. And we've been doing it for a while, and if you, if I hear one more time people say, God, I loved you and Adam together on Loveline, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're doing a podcast. Will you please just join us at the Adam and Dr. Drew Show, please? AdamDrDrewShow.com. It's a great show. Come on now. Only on Podcast One. That's us. Adam and Dr. Drew Show. Just like the old days. Doctor's orders. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man, you're funny. Yep. All right. Let's go save some babies. Let's do it. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back to the Eddie Trunk Podcast, interview number one of two right now. A little bit later on, Luke Spiller of The Struts. Be sure to listen for that right now, though. My conversation with David Coverdale talking about the 30th anniversary 
of the 87 White Snake album and a whole lot more. As always, DC, extremely entertaining. Here he is on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Now we talk to one of the uh, the icons, one of the elder statesmen, <laughs> one of the uh, all-time greats. How dare you? How dare you, sir? The man who sets the bar for all these young pups. DC, David Coverdale, it's been too long, my friend. Edward Van Trump, my God, you're cutting into valuable nap time. I've been singing for three and a half hours. Come what on, are you singing? Sexmen need their rest. <laughs> what are you singing? I'm singing my heart out. What does it sound like? <laughs> <laughs> are we no, getting no, some no, new no. white snake? Are you working on some new stuff? Yeah, What's going new, on? Yeah, new white snake album. We got 18 new songs to uh, to choose from. Really, really good. First time I've written with. Uh, Count Rebel Beach, uh, he of uh, the Bacon Monster. Uh, first time I've written with Joel Hoekstra, and first time I've written uh, with the pair of them. Uh, we've come up with some fabulous new White Snake anthems, guaranteed, guaranteed to get the stadiums a rocket. So, so how uh, how far in the process are you? You say you're you're at the point where you're singing, so you're you're tracking your vocals now. Is that where you're at? Tracking the tracking vocals, yeah. Uh, Rev's down in somewhere in the Caribbean. My co-producer, who should be here doing guitars, so I've had to jump forward into the seat and take control. He's down there sending us videos of babes in bikinis. You know, it's so <laughs> winger of him. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> It's good. It's getting me going. You know, uh, I'm really pleased. It's been an intense year, ridiculously intense year. You know, we decided um, to take like a year off and, and make an album. But in the course of that year, we've uh, cleaned up and uh, overdubbed uh, Derek Sherinian and, uh, and Joel Hoekstra on an old album of mine, never released in America, called Restless Heart, which is really giving it a, a whole new... Uh, uh, burst of oxygen. We put a huge coffee table book together called the Purple Tour Book uh, with uh, photographs never seen before. It's like one of those big 300-page plus things, 3D cover and all that stuff. It's very exciting. Uh, we re-released Go Figure, the 87 album, the Super Deluxe 87 album, as it's the 30th anniversary. <laughs> it's it's like top 10 and top five all over the world. It's fantastic. Crazy. Well, that's what I wanted. To, that's what I wanted. I mean, you got a lot going on here and it's all good stuff, oh, but that's oh, and the other thing is we've had to, we, uh, we were supposed to have a purple DVD from the purple tour. Um, right. actually we were supposed to have it at the end of last year, but I was so tired after two consecutive years, all my uh, touring and all my family were coming in. So I went, oh, okay, you know, another time, uh, so we finished that off this year, sent it out to Warner Brothers, and then Japan and uh, Germany uh, red flagged it during uh, the uh, the production process and stuff. We went, oh, 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 pull it back, pull it back. Let's make sure everything's kosher. Uh, so that's now not going to be available for your Christmas stocking, boys and girls, I'm sorry to say. But will be available January the 19th, 2018. And well worth the wait, Edward. So when you say and red flagged, than having a much much having uh, much better than having a faulty disc under your tree. <laughs> what do you what do you mean by the red flag? Why why did they why did they why did they stop it or why was it delayed? Well, it's such high definition. Uh, I think one of the pe- one of the companies went, oh, I can't be that thing, and pressed it in one way. I mean, it, the pre-orders are so fantastic. They started a second production, so we've had to cancel and, and, uh, and destroy a lot of a lot of product just for technical technical issues. I believe the expression was. Wow. So, however, prior to that, I do believe uh, we're going to premiere on Christmas Day for those White Snake rock and rollers who are just full of turkey and goodness and joy, and we're going to preview world premiere the burn video which will be white snakers you've never seen them before. <laughs> I can't wait. It's so exciting. I'm getting fidgety in my pants. <laughs> 
you know, there's a lot of great stuff going on, but you mentioned the 87 record, which is which was yes. uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because it's been 30 years. Sure. I did get the deluxe edition. I did get the box set. I haven't had a chance to listen through everything on it, but I watched the DVD content. You know why? I looked... Because there's like 10 years worth of stuff on there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's why and... I haven't been able to hear everything. We put it, Michael Mack and I, and uh, Hugh Gilmore, uh, Tyler Bourne's our head of uh, creative video. We just put, just loaded it up, you know, because that was one of the concerns we had. My God, did we put too much on it? But you can never have too much stuff on there for the fans. Can you, Edward? No, and it's great stuff. The booklet's great, the DVD, the, 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 all the bonus content that's on there. How was it for you, David, revisiting the record? Uh, clearly, it's the biggest record of your career, certainly uh-huh. in America oh, and yeah. around the world. But it's also a record that was a tumultuous time in making it, and everybody knows the story <laughs> that the band that recorded it was let go. And So for you, you ha- I imagine you went into it with some sort of mixed feelings. No, no, not at all. I was very excited to get rid of those tinkling 80s bells that were all over it. You know, that was, uh, took it out of that time frame. Uh, Michael McIntyre remixed the, uh, the four, um, Sin of the Night, Is This Love, Hero Go Again, and uh, what's the other one? <laughs> Give me all your love tonight, I think. And we did 5.1 mixes on that for the video. Sad thing is the video at that time is stuck with its standard TV um, right. aspect. You know, we couldn't put the widescreen or anything in because everybody looked like uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee. So we had to keep it standard and just remastered the, the thing to get the color more vivid, etc. you know, more clarity. But I was really happy to get rid of those. So, you know, I worked with Keith Olsen, a very successful American uh, uh, producer certainly knew his FM radio and a lot of the things that we added to certain songs uh, were not the kind of things that I would normally have decorated my music with, but you know, the success speaks for itself. But however, that was one of the things I was looking forward to getting off some of the tinkly eighties keyboards, you know, but uh, the, the, the really sweet thing for me um, I, there's an in- unboxing uh, video I put out on social media where I receive my box and open it up uh, and, and I share with people my favorite aspect of this. Of course, the music's fabulous. I love it. Uh, and, and it's been extraordinarily generous to my family and I. But the, um, my favorite part is the evolutions, uh, which is predominantly John Sykes and I playing each other ideas of songs for the first time. Uh, and then we will, there was like countless versions of this. So um, a very talented uh, assistant producer engineer we have at Hook City Studios, he said, oh, let me have a go at this. And he cherry picked uh, like six or seven uh, parts of the song as it developed or evolved. Um, into the pre-production, which, of course, uh, uh, proceeded going into Little Mountain Studios in Canada. And even then, the evolutions of the songs continued in the studio, you know, when we had Ainsley, Neil, John, and I. Um, so, you know, the really, until you actually finish off your mix, nothing's really f- finished, you know. But that's my favorite CD on there, the story behind the creation of... Uh, of a lot of songs that people know, you know, uh, is this love with a different chorus line, you know, still of the night as I'm just learning, learning the, just learning the song, just feeling it, having a lot of the music, but not the, the idea until John sat down and played it, you know? Yeah. I found that interesting in the, in in the line. Well, in the liner notes, I found it interesting. You said that there was a part of Still of the Night that you had actually had knocking around on. I think it was that song that you say in the liner notes that you were you you actually had a guitar lick for Still of the Night for a long time that you were messing around with. And it was actually Sykes that heard it and said, what what was that? And and then went with it. it, Was I I reading that right? Well, no, I had a I had a dorky riff. I had all of that stuff. You know, and I just want to get close to you. But when I played my dorky riff, whatever the hell it was, John just took it and fucking molded it and uh, and made it absolutely his own. 
and it, it's huge. But one of the amazing things on there is once once uh, we start getting uh, tracking, well, not tracking, but just pre-prod, uh, pre-production with Ainsley, you can hear there's an actual kind of guitar solo in the middle, chords going on behind, as opposed to the atmospherics we, we finally settled on at uh, Little Mountain Studios. You know, uh, yeah, that Sykes... Was, uh, that was a great, uh, my favorite collaboration, uh, That and Is This Love with John, without a doubt. Oh, and Looking yeah. for Love. I thought that was fabulous. You know, Sykes is a guy that uh, looms large in the 87 record and in so many ways. And uh, I thought you did a, a nice you, you were very kind the way you addressed the situation with him. I mean, two two pages into the booklet, there's a standalone great shot of him playing. You 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 give him all all due respect in it. Um, you know, I know the relationship is not good and hasn't been for, for very long. Did that make this kind of bittersweet for you in some ways? Did you wish that he would have been able no, to at least no. been involved? Did no. you reach out to him? Well, no, the, the only reach out was legal just to make sure he was aware and his people were aware of what we were doing. Um, I actually don't really need uh, permission from anybody to do what I do, which is rather nice. Um, but the circumstance is I just wanted out of respect for him to know this was the plan. You know, we've had several special um, deluxe editions before at certain anniversaries, but, but this, this is by far the most uh, uh, detailed and stuff from that time, um, including unseen footage from Rudy Sarzo's private videotapes and stuff. And we have a great, great guy you met uh, in Sao Paulo called Purple Snake. He just researches the web looking for people's clips from White Snake shows and puts them together in really creative ways. So it's, uh, you know, all of these things we just wanted to give to the fans. And that was when we were talking about doing the evolution thing, it was kind of overwhelming because there was so many times that John and I were changing this idea every day. We were in a villa I'd rented from a friend of mine in the south of France. And it was great. Once we broke bread and, and drank wine with the locals and were accepted, we had a super time there. But the, the, the main thing for me was that was prior to going to Los Angeles and prior to our relationship somewhat separating and disintegrating or whatever. So when I hear those things, I don't think of the animosity, the bitterness or the resentment. I just hear the joy that we, we were having putting this record together because I wanted the 87 album to be a step further than um, the blueprint we'd had with Slide It In. You know, to make Whitesnake from more of that traditional rhythm and blues aspect into a more flamboyant, intense, you know, with people like Cozy Powell, you know, uh, and John. These guys are intense musicians, and that fire gets me firing on all six, and, that, and that's what I need. I can't just do it without uh, that, that amazing musicianship uh, going on behind me. The same passion that I have. The the other the other thing that I found really interesting in looking through the packaging as well was that talking about the original band that recorded the record you you mentioned something there there's always been this cloud about why it actually f was you changed the band and you mentioned something in the liner notes which I thought was interesting and maybe you could elaborate on where you say you were going well, maybe to you, vocal maybe you can remind me. Well, well, you said you said you were going through vocal issues. You were having a lot of problems singing, oh, yeah. and during that time, while you were struggling, you found out who yeah. you, your real friends were. So I'm I'm imagining that that's sort of your way of saying that that you didn't feel good about what the other three guys were doing while you were having your issues. No, not that it wasn't necessarily the other two guys, the other uh, four guys. It was predominantly John and the producer at the time, a guy called Mike Stone. They kind of I uh, took over the project without my blessing while I was recovering uh, and removing the project all around the world uh, and just not involving me at all. So the situation was, you know, I spoke to my lawyers and I said, this is, I was just getting huge studio bills from places I'd never heard of. And it was like enough already, you know, but that was then I don't, uh, I don't hold any, animosity the thing that followed was extraordinarily beneficial to everyone who was involved with the record and played on it you mentioned rudy sarzo 
watching some of those clips Moody, of the yeah. live of, of the band that went out and played, of course, the, the tour, Adrian and, yes. and, and, and Tommy and uh, Vivian. <laughs> There's a couple clips in there in those live clips. My goodness, did Rudy Sarzo have hair? He, I mean, you guys all had impressive hair there in 87, but Rudy, oh I, God, I couldn't even recognize him. I swear to God, we had to move around all the time to avoid being licked. It was absolutely <laughs> tears. I swear to God, with all of these sexual harassment things going on, I don't know. Furniture's going to be complaining about Sarzo. I know his. I know his base tech is. <laughs> Oh, it's too much. Well, I'll tell you, I really enjoyed the packaging on this thing. It was great to see the record revisited. Did I also hear, because I didn't listen to the original record and the remaster yet, but did you change the sequence or do the UK sequence oh, or yeah. something? To, no, no, what no. was that I about? Just, I just sat there. I just sat, well, there was two. I Okay, so I put the running order together, as I usually do, sent that off to EMI. We were we had two like companies that, that did. So actually it's only this year I signed with Warner's. It's the first time I've been worldwide on one label, you know, which is astonishing when you think about it. And I've always had great success with Warner's and it seems to be continuing now. Although I'm hoping to host uh, my dear friend Serafino and Mario from Frontiers. Uh, who have expressed interest in actually the studio record. So they're going to come in, fly in from Italy and come up and see us, which is very exciting. Um, but uh, the, uh, where were we? Sorry, I got the track, the, the sequencing, the oh, sequencing. Yeah. So I'd sent the original stuff, the UK one to, uh, to, to EMI and there wasn't a problem. I'd spent that Christmas uh, a, a very sad Christmas, actually, with my daughter. I'd been separated from her mom in Munich, and it was, and it was a kind of she was punishing me, I think, for quite understandably for deserting her. Uh, but it was very sad. And then on my flight back to Los Angeles, I got the flu, so I came into my suite at the Mondrian, and there was waiting this uh, production cassette, which had absolutely nothing to do with the running order I'd sent them. Uh, and like a fool, I put it on, put my headphones on. Instead of waiting till I felt better, you know, my ears are shot from a transatlantic flight. I put the production tape on, put the headphones on, heard crying in the rain and a few bits and pieces. And I thought, I'm done. I was like two and a half million, three million dollars in debt. I thought I was done. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Amazing stuff. stuff. And then, you know, a, a matter of weeks later, uh, we're shooting the videos, and then when the album comes out, you know, it just, as you know, and still, we were number three in the British top ten last week behind the Foo Fighters, for God's sake. A 30-year-old album. Good God, man. You know, It's amazing. amazing. The, gift, the gift that keeps yeah. giving, David. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's well, it's when you work hard. It's John and I worked hard on songs. The guys worked, out, uh, worked hard on performing them. You know, it's very easy to forget the contribution of... Uh, I'll tell you what, this is an interesting fact, which was interesting to me. When we were mixing, I went, wow, uh, both Is This Love, uh, remixing, Is This Love, and here I go again. I'm going, what the hell is with the bass? There's something weird there. And I, I didn't realize that Olsen would place Neil Murray's bass lines with a fabulous keyboard player we'll be using, which is, who was actually Barbara Streisand's musical director, but great keyboard player, synth player. And he replaced, <laughs> and I didn't notice, uh, the bass for Is This Love, and um, here we go again, is a, a, like a move bass, go figure. Wow. So that was wow. an interesting well, let's... thing to discover after 30 years. Yeah. Hey, I'm but, out of time here, David. They're going to cut... Don't, yeah, don't tell Neil. Neil. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're going to cut me off here if I don't end because I'm out of time. But I appreciate a few minutes. Everybody check out the 87 White Snake reissue. The deluxe set is out now uh, via Rhino. Best of luck with the new stuff. Of course, as soon as it's ready, come sit in with us and come on the show anytime and say hello to you the guys, it, okay? Absolutely. Look forward to it, Eddie. Always a, always a pleasure. Happy holidays to you and yours. You too, David. Take care. Thank you. Well, thank you to the always entertaining David Coverdale for joining me. Check out the 30th anniversary of Whitesnake's 87 record, available now in stores or wherever you buy your music in several configurations. Stick around. Coming up next, we stay in the U.K. 
New band, The Struts, Luke Spiller, their lead singer. Love these guys. My conversation with Luke is next. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. True Car. There's something about True Car a lot of people don't know, and that's using True Car can also help you buy a used car. Yep. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. If you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through the True Car certified dealer network. There are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide, and you'll see what other people paid for the car you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. What's better than feeling confident? Because with True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the new or used car you want. And that is extremely important. So when you are ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Interview number two of this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast, Luke Spiller from the band The Struts. Love this band. I already talked about him at the top, so let's get right into it. Luke called into my Sirius XM radio show on volume not too long ago, and here's how that conversation went. Hey, Luke, nice to meet you, man. How are you? Hello. Nice to meet you. I I think out of all the members, you've probably got the most interesting one, so congratulations. <laughs> well, you know, I was at your show at the House of Blues in New Orleans, and I caught the last few songs. My uh, my friend Craig Gass, I guess, did some comedy before you came out, and he called me up and he said, "You got to come over and check these guys out." And I had long wanted to see the band live, and it always uh, eluded me. And I met all the other members of the band except for you. You you weren't around after the show, so it's good to have you on for a few minutes and and uh, and and get to say hello. Oh, well, I'm sorry I wasn't around. I, I, I tend to pop straight into the shower um, after the show because I think you you can tell how much um, how much I sweat, you know, uh, in between sort of like the songs and whatnot. So, you know, I, I, hygiene's a very important, you know, part of my life. <laughs> you know, sometimes it interrupts my social life as well. <laughs> Well, I get it, man. So, listen, I, I wanted to I wanted to tell you this because uh, I've I've been I've been aware of your band since you came on the scene, and everything I had heard and seen, I really liked. And then I finally got a chance to see the band live in New Orleans at that show. And as a guy that has been a a, a, a fan of rock music and a flag waver for so long, I was I walked out of there, Luke incredibly excited and encouraged not just because i thought your band was great but because of the reaction from your audience you were playing against voodoo fest which is a massive event there in a city with so much going on the place was full this the audience was jumping and singing and as somebody that really wants to see a band grab the flag and bring back rock music in a big way here in america I walked out of there thinking your band was the band that had the best chance to do that. Um, so I'm I'm extremely excited about it, and I want, if you can, comment a little bit about that. I mean, how you've built this. I know the Struts are not a brand new band, but relatively new to a lot of people, and the work you've put in and how you've built it to this point is pretty amazing, but I imagine a lot went into getting to this point, right? Oh, yeah, like a huge amount. You know, the, the band really started sort of like, seven years ago with myself and Adam like teaming up and, and songwriting and then we we acquired, you know, Jen and Guest sort of like a little bit later on. Um, and, you know, honestly, like w- we did a lot of stuff in the UK, but nothing really sort of happened until, you know, firstly, uh, France really sort of like embraced us and that was fantastic. So we found ourselves you know, touring over there for quite a while. And then we ended up doing a show with the Rolling Stones in Paris. And from that, you know, we, we gained interest from uh, 
American management and then you know they took our repertoire and what we had and and they started showing it around over in the US and and the, and the rest is history really you know we, we for the last 2 years we've just been touring non-stop um you know we're currently on tour with the Foo Fighters and you know we, at the end of the day what it really comes down to you know our, our core belief is always to be uh you know wearing our influences on our sleeves um but trying to push you know rock music in into the into the well into the modern age really you know we don't want to sort of like regurgitate things that have been and gone and you know we want to sound fresh and and our live show as well you know i'm glad you really enjoyed it because you know an awful lot of work gets put into that and when you come to a strut show you know expect to have a lot of fun and 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 dance and and basically just lose yourself you know and and i think that that's one of the biggest reasons that people are are sort of like really found us endearing in a way you know so that's the story so far yeah i unfortunately only got to see the last four or five songs because i got there late because i was working uh i had a i was shooting a tv show that i was doing at voodoo fest so i by the time i got over there i got in just towards the tail end of the show but yeah the audience interaction i mean you of course you, you know you're great out there as a front man and a singer but the audience interaction you had everybody kneeling down at one point and they're jumping up and they're singing the choruses and it, it just felt so good because you know here in the U.S., Luke, and I, you guys are living. Are you living in L.A. now? Are you based here, or do you live in the U.K.? We don't, for the last two two and a half years, we we don't live anywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, right. We literally we we live in a place called Suitcase. Right. So, but where would you call home if somebody asked you now? Are you are you based in America? or Are you in the U.K.? Uh, well, I guess home is always going to be the U.K., but. When we have like a week or so off in between the touring, we we sort of like head back to LA for like five days, maybe a week, and then we're right. back out on the road. The reason why I bring up logistics and where you live is because here in the U.S., there's this feeling, you know, you know, rock music has kind of become marginalized over the in recent years, and there's this feeling that, and I believe this, that we need one band that if we can just get one band to really give it a kick in the ass and really get over the hump and really just just push everything through that that we could get sort of a renaissance. And I got to tell you, having watched you play live, and I I finally got the full album of Everybody Wants because I'm old school and I love getting a CD, so I finally got the CD and I've been listening to it nonstop and between listening to the record and having seen you live and seen the connection with the audience I feel very strongly that you guys may be that band do you feel that do you feel that this is really something that could pop in a very big way very soon um yeah I look I, I hope so at the end of the day you know I, I felt positive that we are that band and, and there is no one else that can touch us live um there's no one you know else around at the moment that can touch us when it comes to our songs and and i, and I felt that way for for a very long time you know even before coming to the u.s so now it really feels like you know stuff's really starting to happen and and like you said i think I don't think it's a case of if, I, I just think it's a case of, you know, when it's going to happen, you know, because I, I do think it will. And you you bring up something that is paramount, and I believe very strongly, in, and you just said the word songs. I, I think there's a lot of artists out there that have great musicians in it. They may have a great look. They may have a lot of uh, great people surrounding them in terms of agents and managers. But sometimes I hear it, and I'm like, well, the, the song, I really don't think the songs are just quite great yet. I, I can honestly say, listening to Everybody Wants, you guys have found a way to, to craft really great songs that I think uh, walk a lot of different lines. I mean, at my core, personally, I'm a fan of hard rock and the and classic hard rock, and I hear a lot of that in what you do. But I also hear elements of power pop, and then I'll hear things that almost remind me of something like what Oasis would do at times. So it, you're really painting on a really big palette, it seems like, but still staying within the lines of at the core being a rock band. Is that kind of what you want the Struts to continue to be? Yeah, 
exactly that. You know, I think there's a lot of bands like, you know, at the moment that, you know, are kind of like doing similar things to, to what we do. But, you know, out of experience, I find that a lot of people tend to just sort of like just regurgitate, you know, and, um, and you know, and people get hyped from that. And I, and I think people get attached to that in the short term because it, it's familiar, you know. But when, when I look at the strut and I think about what exactly that is, you know, it's great that, you know, people throw in names like Queen and, and the Rolling Stones and whatnot, just, just visually and I guess from the live performance. And I guess it's kind of like the easiest way to categorize us. But honestly, if you were to listen to the music and, and the whole entire package, uh, you know, as a whole, you know, yes, there's Queen in there. Yes, there's the Stones, but there's also like Supergrass. There's, there's Oasis, there's Slade, there's Mott the Hoople, um, you know, there's T-Rex, there's David Bowie, there's there's basically this, this gigantic, like, lovely melting pot of everything that I feel passionate about musically, you know, and I'm stirring it up and coming out with what I feel is really unique pieces of music. And you mentioned two bands in, in the bands you ran down that here in the U.S., are unfortunately incredibly overlooked and basically known for one song, and that is Slade and T-Rex. Both of those bands are basically one-hit wonders here in America, but of course, being a fan, I know that is not the case in the UK and other parts of the world, but I definitely picked up stuff. I, I definitely, in a lot of your choruses and the, and, the, and, and the sort of gang sort of choruses in some of your songs, I definitely heard some some Slade in there, so I'm glad you said that because I was, I was picking up on some of that uh, in what I heard through the record as well. Yeah, man, like... Uh, honestly, Slade was one of the first um, groups that me and Adam, you know, at the very beginning sort of like really connected um, over. And, you know, honestly, they've influenced a lot of massive acts, you know, in the UK. You know, like Oasis, for example, you know, were basically, well, Slade is basically the, the stepping stone between the Beatles and Oasis, you know, and... Um, and it's the same for us as well. Um, I, I think we, we carry a lot of their, you know, core values musically, like, you know, having sort of like a hard rock, you know, um, structure uh, underneath it, but yet also having like, you know, great melody and like you said, gang vocals, etc. So, you know, and they're they're also a part of the, the glam rock UK family, which which we feel really connected with, you know. So, um, yeah, very important band. How has the reaction been for the Struts in the UK? I've talked to bands, like I had uh, I had the Darkness on the show not too long ago. I had Justin in and uh, and Rufus, and we were talking about this. It, it's interesting where sometimes bands are embraced more. In 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 the country countries they're not from, for instance, were you guys are you guys were you guys instantly immediately embraced in the UK? I think I'm drawing a comparison. Like Joe Elliott has said to me, when Def Leppard started, the UK really couldn't care about Def Leppard, but here in America they were this huge band. Um, there's another band I love called Rival Sons. I know they do very well in the UK. Here in America, not so much. So for you, territorially, what, did the UK embrace the Struts right out of the gate, or did you do you find more acceptance for the band now here in America? Well, it's kind of difficult to say because, you know, two things. Firstly, when we started to gig as the Struts in the UK, we were very much still in our development phase and still finding ourselves musically. However, What year would that... Luke, let me ask you real quick, Luke. What year would that, would that have been? What was the year that you first started? Oh, God. Um... I'm not very good with dates, mate. That's all. No, no, about. Uh, was it around 09, 2010, five years ago, six? Probably probably like 2012, maybe 11. Fuck no. Okay, so five six, five, six years ago we're talking. Yeah, we're talking like, we're talking like a good five years ago. We, we, we were still in development, you know, in all aspects. 
in terms of like us musically as a band and whatnot. But by the time we had our debut album, you know, we started touring the UK, we did. We had instant connections. You know, the, the main differences between the UK and the US is, you know, when we went out uh, on the road in the UK, for example, we didn't have any real backing from our label. You know, we had no, we had zero radio support. We had zero press support. We had nothing. We had nothing. We, we, we were basically on a label, really, which weren't really uh, particularly interested in what we were doing. And, you know, dare say, I don't think really kind of believed in, in what we were doing. And they were kind of just going through the motions in terms of like what they had to do. Or, uh, you know, and what they were obliged to do as, as our label. But there was no one who had real passion for us there. So, you know, with all of that in mind, by the time it came to the U.S., before we even got to the U.S., you know, Could Have Been Me was already on the airwaves. And that that paints such a larger picture in terms of, like, when you come over, you know, because there's there's people already aware of you and, and of course, it had been like a couple of years, so we were far more developed. And with the US, I think it was just being there at the right moment, at the right time, uh, in terms of the band's timeline. So I think as soon as we get the same support on the industry side in the UK, there's no stopping us, you know, because our fans are just as passionate over there as they are over here, you know, that. It's just our reach is just greater in the U.S., you know. It's just a matter of time. And as you mentioned, you've had unbelievable touring opportunities opening for everybody from the Rolling Stones to the Who and, and gosh knows all the great stuff you've done, including the band you're currently opening for right now. And again, I, I had a conversation with Dave Grohl a couple weeks ago about you and Taylor Hawkins. We sat around and, and we were talking after they played it in New Orleans, and I was telling them that I had seen you guys the night before and how blown away I was. And, and you're out there opening for them now, and uh, you know I know they're pulling for you and supporting you guys as well and i i saw your manager sent me a clip that you went out and did under pressure with them the other night yeah it was actually last night that had to be a blast i would think you know when i when they played voodoo fest they did that with rufus taylor and he came out and he, he played drums during it and uh i know those guys are huge queen fans so i'm sure that you know, you can you probably on the road with the foo fighters spend more time talking about queen than, than anything else i would think right Oh, yeah, especially me and Taylor and uh, yeah. Pat, um, you know, quite regularly, you know, uh, me and uh, sort of like Taylor will just, you know, have our queetings, which is our queen meetings, and we just kind <laughs> of like talk over loads of stuff. And, and you know, Pat, like obviously a massive fan as well. And, you know, it's quite funny once we start talking about queen you know, David kind of like leaves the room very quickly because I think he's, uh, <laughs> you know, I think he's had enough of these intense Queen meetings. This is quite funny, but no, to get on stage with him last night and and uh, you know sing with um, Taylor was in, was was brilliant, and to have Dave drumming, you know, like it's insane. It's a proper pinch me moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that right because when I saw them do that that song, Rufus Taylor, Roger's son was at the show. He played the drums, and and Dave and Taylor were out front uh, singing. So that was uh, I, I wasn't sure. I, I assume Dave went behind the kid. I couldn't really see that well in the video that I was sent. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. It was great. And, you know, one quick thing on Queen, because obviously there's always been some comparison with, with the struts to Queen and elements of, of Queen in, in what you're doing. Have you had any interaction with, with Roger or Brian? Have they, do you know them? Did they, have they said anything to you about your band publicly or privately? No, no. I um, The only interaction I've had with them was about, Seven or eight years ago, before the struts had even formed, I actually bumped into Brian May in Kensington outside a hotel I was staying at, and he was doing some shopping with his daughter. 
And uh, I nervously walked over to him and said, uh, Brian, I'm a massive fan and I just wanted to tell you, like, your music's, like, changed my life and just thank you so much. And and I said to him, I was like, you know, is there any chance I could have a picture? And this was, this was like eight years ago. So I had this crappy little, like, Samsung flip-up phone with a really bad (laughs) camera on it. And uh, at first he said no. And I said, that's totally fine, mate. Like, don't worry. And uh, he was like, actually, you know what? You seem special. So let's have a picture. And yeah, I got a picture with him. So that's, I've never spoke to him since. Wow. Well, I I mean, that, but that's, that's a pretty interesting story because he, he, he recognized something in you right, right there, even before you started doing the struts to, to say that. And I mean, people have said, of course, you know, people have said that you resemble Freddie Mercury. So I don't know if he picked up on any of that as you walked away. Maybe, you know, maybe there's something like that that resonated with him to have done that. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I, I had my natural hair color at the time, which was like a mousy brown and, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Who knows, man? I honestly, <laughs> like, my next, my next goal, like, you know, for me to be put six feet under, you know, happy and content would, you know, would, would to be at least sing one song, uh, with the remaining members of Queen, you know, that would just be insane. Well, it's something I think that I think very possibly could happen because with the trajectory your band is on and the fact that those guys are still out there doing some stuff, I think it's only a matter of time before they recognize and acknowledge uh, what you're doing. Hey, man, I don't want to hold you too long. Hopefully one of these days we can get in a room together and uh, and continue talking. You can come in the studio. I'd, I'd love to have you on, and I hope to see a full show one of these days. I, I, I saw enough to know what you're doing is really special, but hopefully somewhere I can catch a, a full show for the struts. But uh, update everybody on where you're at now. You're, I know you're out with the Foo Fighters, you're, you're opening shows. Where do you go from there, and has there been new music discussed? Is there a record, a new record in the works? Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a new record, like which is 95% done. Uh, after the next couple of shows, the Foo's, we're heading back to L.A. to get straight back in, and me and Ads are going to um, do some more writing just see if anything special comes out and uh and then come sort of like christmas time um we'll be heading back to the uk for for a couple of weeks to see family and whatnot and then in the new year uh we'll be we'll be wrapping up the uh second album and it will be available in the first quarter of next year uh with a new single as well so we're really looking forward to it well, I'll tell you what, Luke, I appreciate the time, and uh, I got to say, I, I, it, it was really very inspiring for me to have seen the band live and now really living with the, the current record Everybody Wants uh, as, as a guy that has uh, been, been really hopeful that there's a band that's going to do it. I really feel strongly like you guys could, and I hope are the ones, because your songs are great, the live shows are great, we need it. And uh, and I and I'm rooting for you all the way, man. So I'm here if I can help, and I appreciate the time very much. I look forward to hearing the new record. Cheers, man. Honestly, thank you. You know, I'll say it for the other guys as well. But thanks for having me on, and 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 cheers for the support. And and anyone out there listening, you know, um, thank you all for giving us a massive chance. You know, we we, we really appreciate, it and we can't wait to see you all soon. All right, Luke, uh, safe travels, man. I hope to uh, talk to you again very soon. Thank you very much. All right, mate. See you in a bit. Bye. See you. Bye-bye. Well, I truly feel that that is one of the bands to watch. I just love those guys and what they're doing. Can't wait to hear their next record. My thanks to Luke Spiller of the band The Struts for taking some time out, currently opening for Foo Fighters. Huge tour. And uh, they are out there doing their thing. Get there early if you go see the Foo Fighters and be sure to see the Struts as well. And check out their album, Everybody Wants, which is out there right now. Also, thanks earlier to David Coverdell of Whitesnake for joining me. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She's the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hope you guys all have a great Thanksgiving weekend if you're listening in America. And I will see you guys next Thursday for another all-new episode. Remember, Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. 
Social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, EddieTrunk.com's got your music news, your merch, email, upcoming appearances, all right there. Have a great week, everybody. See you next Thursday. It's Chad Prather here, the guy that's unapologetically Southern on YouTube. Join me every Thursday for the Chad Prather Show exclusively here on Podcast One. I'm bringing armchair philosophy and observational humor to what's going on in the world as guests help me sort it all out. Nothing is off limits on the Chad Prather Show. Again, every Thursday, it's new episodes of the Chad Prather Show right here on Podcast One. Download and listen to new episodes exclusively on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts.